Welcome to Master Your Relationship Mind Drama. Teaching you how to manage your mind so that you can create relationships you love. And now, here's your host, certified relationship coach and expert in all things love, friendship and mind drama, Rebecca Orr. Hi guys. I hope everyone has had a great week so far. I am sat here under my electric blanket feeling very cold. I feel like that's the theme for each of my podcast episodes that I start with an update on how cold I am. So for those that have been worried about me since the last episode, don't panic. I bought myself an electric blanket <laughs> and I'm not going to lie, it is the best thing I have bought this year. So if you are dealing with the coldness of the UK, then go buy an electric blanket. It's the best thing ever. <laughs> but anyway, on to what you actually want to listen to. Let's talk about some relationship mind drama topics. So this episode is a Q&A episode where people from my email list have emailed in questions and I'm going to answer them one by one. So I picked out six. And if you wrote in and your question isn't one of the ones that I've answered, please don't panic. I am going to do future Q&A episodes. So your question might be answered in, in one of the future episodes. But there's a good variety of questions that I've pulled out. So I'm hoping that even if your question hasn't been answered, you're going to find something really useful in the questions that I have picked. Okay, let's dive in. Question one. So it says, I'm going through a breakup, which completely blindsided me. He says it's because he can't be in a relationship right now. He's got too much going on in his life and he can't prioritize me. I want to believe him, but I'm struggling to accept this as the reason is out of my control. My brain keeps searching for other reasons to do with me because that's what I can control. It hurts, but if it's because I was too much or not enough or something else, then I could fix that. How do I learn to accept the things that things ended for the reasons out of my control and there's nothing I can do to fix it? Okay, so I'm sure this is something that so many of us can relate to. And the truth is, your human brain is being a very typical human brain. If I had to guess, I would assume that your brain already had some main negative beliefs about you. As in, it already believed you were too much or not enough somehow all at once. <laughs> you already believed that to be true and now your brain is just using the circumstance of somebody not wanting to be with you to project that onto it. To be like, see, there's the evidence. But even if he did break up with you because he personally didn't like something about you, that would still not mean that you were too much or not enough or that you needed fixing. It would simply be a sign of his preference. And you are not supposed to be everybody's preference. You're not supposed to be everyone's cup of tea. And that's okay. And while we can never control anybody, anybody else's decisions or preferences, what we can control is what we make them mean about us. So your brain is looking for control externally, wanting to control his reasons, his actions, his choice. But what if the only job we gave your brain was to control the way it spoke to you and control what you wanted to believe about your worth and value, regardless of what he chose? It sounds like there's quite a bit of resisting reality going on too. It's almost like, well, I believed we were supposed to be together forever and now we aren't. So something must have gone wrong here. The universe has made an error 
I need a refund on this. It wasn't what I ordered. We're supposed to be together. So acceptance would involve challenging the belief that something has gone wrong here and something needs to be fixed. Your brain is telling you if the reason um, it ended was in fact because of you, then it would be totally chill and accept that with no complaints. But I think your brain is bullshitting you a little. <laughs> I think if he had said, I'm breaking up with you because you're too whatever, your brain would still have a lot of mind drama about that. Your brain is just resisting this as your reality. So beginning to practice thoughts that create acceptance will be a really good first step. What if you were willing for this to be your reality? How could going through this experience actually serve you? We often think that life is supposed to go the way we expected it to, but life is supposed to throw us challenges one after the other. And it's in overcoming these challenges that we grow into the next versions of ourselves. What if this was exactly what was supposed to happen to you in order for you to grow into that next version of you? And there's a future version of you at the other side of this who's so much stronger and who's learned so much about herself. He says he can't prioritize you right now. What if you could learn to prioritize you? Could you learn to have your own back no matter what? So we want to get a little stern with your brain on this one. You want to practice thoughts around accepting this reality and also challenge your brain on what you're making this breakup mean about you. Your brain is going to keep whispering in your ear every so often, what if he's lying? What if it is about me? And that's because it's a human brain. But deciding what you want to say back to it. What do you want to believe about your worth and value and the situation, regardless of his preferences and choices right now? Okay, next question. Number two. In the past, I've had a relationship that caused a lot of anxiety. How do you limit the negative events from a previous relationship from creating anxiety when trying to build new relationships, i.e. looking for signs someone new will treat you in the same way? Okay, so the best news is your past relationship cannot create anxiety in your new relationship. Only your thoughts about your past relationship can. So it sounds like your brain is just trying to protect you here. It remembers the pain you experienced in the past during the past events. So it's trying to protect you from experiencing that same pain in your new relationship. But get curious. What exactly is the pain that I'm trying to avoid? Is it the pain of grief if the relationship were to end? Or is it the pain of believing you're not good enough? because of how they treated you. If your brain knows that you're going to believe you're not good enough, if this new partner cheats or lies or treats you badly, then it has a very good reason to be on red alert. If how they behave gets to determine your worth and value, then shit, we best make sure they never do anything we don't like. There's so much riding on it, an entire worth and value. But the truth is, anyone in a relationship might get lied to or cheated on. It's an unfortunate truth of human relationships. People are unpredictable and people sometimes do things we don't like. So rather than trying to control whether or not this happens again, because again, we have zero control over whether it does, your time would be better spent deciding in advance what you would make it mean if it did happen again. What did you make these negative events from your past relationship mean about you and why? 
What if these negative events didn't mean anything about your worth and value? We're so quick to make the actions of other people mean something about us. And when you think about that, it's absolutely crazy. We're not in their brain. We don't control how they think, feel, or act. We have this thought ever that if I was good enough or whatever enough, then they would behave in the way I want them to. Then they'd be faithful and honest and respectful. But that thought is bullshit. There are plenty of people being faithful, honest, and respectful to people that do not treat them well at all. And there are plenty of people cheating on and lying to amazing, kind, loving people. And that's because you do not create their choices. And if they're going to cheat, they're going to cheat. Your worth and value and how amazing you are has absolutely nothing to do with that. If you've listened to earlier episodes, you'll have heard me talk about the model where we have the circumstance then our thoughts about that circumstance that create the way we feel, drive the way we act, and our actions create our results. So you are the neutral circumstance in anybody else's model. And how they choose to think, feel, and act is all on them. Stop taking credit for your past partner's behavior and let go of the illusion that you are supposed to be able to control your new partner's behavior. Instead, decide to accept that it is a possibility that this person might treat you in a way that you don't like, because that's always a possibility. And decide on purpose how you'll respond to that situation if it ever happens. What will you make it mean about you, about your worth and value? What will you make it mean about your future? How will you deal with negative emotion? How will you respond to those sensations in your body? How will you have your own back? How will you choose to respond? When you're certain of that, you don't need to be certain of anything else. Okay, question three. How do you know when something is just in your head from previous experience or if it's actually true? For years, I felt like I've been cheated on, but I've never found anything substantial, just things pointing to it. I find I'm the one who loses sleep over it and time thinking and looking into it. Okay, so this is where getting really good at separating facts from our thoughts is important. If your brain has a fear of being cheated on, it makes sense that it would continuously interpret evidence in that way. I had a fear of losing friends and I believed I was unlikable. So every time I got a text, I read into it and made it mean the person was being off with me. I always looked for evidence that people didn't really like me. Your brain will always search for evidence for what you believe. And most of us believe that one of our roles in a relationship is to predict whether somebody is going to cheat or not. (laughs) No idea why we put that in our job description in a relationship. We think we're supposed to be like FBI agents or psychics, (laughs) decoding messages and reading tea leaves to see into the future. So everyone hear me when I say this. That is not your job in a relationship. Your only job is to deal with circumstances as and when they are revealed to you. You say things have pointed to you being cheated on. Get curious about the facts of those things. Are they undeniable facts of foul play? Or are they facts that you could actually interpret in multiple ways and have multiple explanations for them and your fearful brain is just assuming it means the person is cheating? 
we always want to take facts at face value and not ignore, you know, situations, evidence in front of us. That's not what I'm saying. But understanding what the facts are versus what your fearful brain is making them mean is a really important distinction. If there is no clear evidence of foul play for you to address, then that's the facts as we have them. Depending on the facts you have, maybe you do want to get curious and ask your partner about something to get clear on, you know, what the facts really are. But either way, if there's no evidence of cheating, it's always going to come down to choosing to let go of the need to predict the future and trust that you will be able to handle the circumstance of cheating if and when it is revealed to you. This is similar to what we discussed with the previous question. The reason your brain is so obsessed with working out if someone is going to cheat is because of what you're going to make it mean if they have or if they do. If your brain knew that if you found out for sure your partner had cheated, that you'd of course feel pain, but that you would have your own back and not make it mean anything about you and that you'd be okay and survive and move forward and have another amazing relationship and still love and accept yourself, you would not need to be on red alert looking for signs each and every day. You'd be like, okay, yes, if that happens, it'll be shit and I'll have negative emotion but I know I'll be able to handle it and I know that it won't mean anything about me. So this is where your work is. Okay, next question. I find myself questioning my decisions or not being able to trust if my decision is the right one, especially in hard conversations with my boyfriend. For example, if we have a disagreement, I tend to automatically want to go to a friend for advice on whether or not I am okay or if what he is doing is wrong or unhealthy in a relationship. How do you learn to trust yourself instead of going to others for reassurance? Or how do you know what is healthy or not? Okay, so I used to be very guilty of the exact same thing. And the thought error I had, and that you have, is that is an objective right or wrong thing in a relationship. Some people in relationships scream at each other during arguments, and they don't think that's a problem. (laughs) Some people spend zero time with their friends and only make time for their partners. Some have sex daily, others have it yearly. (laughs) We think there's a normal or right way to do relationships when actually none of these things are facts. There is no objective right or wrong, which is why so many people have different opinions. This is why your partner might have a different opinion to your best friend, because there isn't one definitive answer. There's just a variety of options and opinions available. Like, really think about it. Who would we go to in a disagreement to discover who was in fact right or wrong? Is there an independent board or a judging panel we can go to? No. (laughs) And even if we asked everyone in the country, we'd get a very mixed bag of feedback. People with a whole range of ideas of what healthy is or what right is or what normal is. Because it's all completely subjective. However he is behaving... I guarantee there'll be someone out there who thinks that's totally normal and healthy (laughs) and someone else who thinks it isn't. So I would focus on instead of asking, am I right and he's wrong or am I wrong and he's right? What if instead you were to just hold space for the fact that you both have different opinions? You may want certain types of behavior in a relationship that your partner doesn't want or agree with and vice versa. That doesn't make one of you right and one of you wrong. It makes you two different people with different brains. 
give yourself permission to have your own viewpoint and give him permission to have a different one. And then you may discover there are some things that are going to be deal breakers for you. Things you want to set boundaries around. Things you may even consider ending the relationship over. You might then ask yourself, if this is his viewpoint and this is how he wants to behave, is this a match for me? Do I want this behavior in my relationship? Do I enjoy this? Or do I want to intentionally choose something else? Okay, number five. What are some actionable steps that I can follow when my mind goes out of control? How do I snap myself out of it to be able to focus on what I can control? Okay, so I love this question. So the first thing you want to do is process the emotion you're feeling. Often when we're feeling anxious or overwhelmed or whatever negative emotion your brain is creating with its thoughts, we tend to just want to snap ourselves out of it. We want to get to the bit where we feel better. But when we're doing that, we're actually resisting our negative emotions. And when we resist negative emotion, they do not go away. <laughs> it's like pushing a beach ball underwater. It just pops back up with double the force. So step one is to acknowledge what is happening. Okay, my brain is saying words and it's creating anxiety in my body or overwhelm or whatever it is. That's okay. I just need to feel this for a moment. Most of us tend to respond to our emotions like they're emergencies. We try to frantically argue with our thoughts so that we can feel better. But instead of this, I want you to give your brain the task of just observing the sensations you feel in your body. Where can you feel the emotion? Locate it. Notice where it is and then describe it to yourself as if you were explaining it to an alien who had never felt that emotion before. If you haven't already, head to my How to Handle Your Anxiety episode, I think it's the one before this one, which talks you through how to process your emotion in really simple steps. So once you process the emotion you're feeling and calmed your nervous system down a little, then the next step is to separate out the facts of the situation from your thoughts about them. Facts are neutral with no opinions or judgments, and they're something everyone would agree on. Thoughts are our interpretation of those facts, what we make them mean. So work out the facts of the situation and then work out what your thoughts are about those facts that's creating the negative emotion. You asked how you can focus on what you can control. Well, we can't control the facts of the situation. The situation is what it is. But what you can do is control the way you want to think about it. So look at your current thinking and get questioning it a little. Get curious. Why am I choosing to think that? Is it really true? What else might be true? Who do I show up as when I'm believing this thought? What are the pros of thinking this way and what are the cons? What would someone who thought the complete opposite believe about this? What might my brain be missing that I'm not considering about this? How would I like to feel about this situation? And what would I need to be believing in order to create that emotion? A thought that I really love to practice is, the only thing I can control is how I think, feel and show up. Okay, final question, question six. How to deal with a narcissist you want to keep in your life? Is he a narcissist or just an asshole? Okay, so the first thing I want to say is, unless this person has been medically diagnosed with narcissistic personality disorder, 
which by the fact you're asking if he is one tells me that he hasn't, calling him one is not useful. Calling people a narcissist is a very, very big trend at the moment, especially on Instagram. <laughs> Everyone on Instagram seems to have a nar narcissistic husband or mother-in-law or best friend or co-worker or ex. <laughs> when the statistics are that actually only 5% of people are likely to have some level of the personality disorder. <laughs> Unless you're a medical professional or psychologist, you have no business diagnosing people with any kind of personality disorder. So drop that label. <laughs> it is not important. Instead, focus on a more beneficial question. Do I want to have this person in my life if this is the way they behave? There's no right or wrong answer here. And just like I said in my answer to question four, this person's behavior is actually completely neutral until your brain has a thought about it. One person's thought might be that it's fine and they want to stay. Somebody else might think that it isn't okay and want to leave. Give yourself permission to decide what kind of behavior you want to be around and don't feel like you need to diagnose someone as having some kind of personality disorder in order for you to make that decision. Your question says you want to keep them in your life. That means accepting them as they are and accepting that this is the reality of them. Staying with them but constantly telling yourself they should be different is not going to serve you or them and it's just going to make you feel resistant and miserable to the entire experience. You could stay and accept them as they are and set loving boundaries for yourself. For example, you know, if he yells at me, I will end the conversation and leave the room. But what interests me more is you seem to think this person is an asshole. <laughs> what do you think your reasons are for wanting to keep him in your life? I would get curious about that and consider if you really like your reasons for staying. Do your reasons for staying in this relationship come from a place of abundance and genuine desire or are they coming from a place of fear and scarcity? Are you believing there's nobody else out there for you and therefore you need to stay in a relationship where you're not enjoying the behavior that you're regularly experiencing? Are you believing that you need to stay with someone that doesn't actually want the same things you want in a relationship because you'd rather that than be alone. The same person who wrote this also asked how to focus on yourself and cultivate self-love even when you have energy drainers in your life. So this is a similar kind of theme and I wanted to touch on this too because it's a really common misconception. Other people cannot drain your energy. <laughs> it is humanly impossible. Nobody's presence can drain your body of anything. People are not vampires. <laughs> they are not sucking the energy out of you. What's actually happening in these moments is you're around certain people who are behaving in certain ways and then you have thoughts about them and their behavior that create emotions in your body. Perhaps anxiety or frustration or irritation. And then you feel drained by all the mental drama you've experienced which was created in your own mind, not by them. So I would invite you to get really curious when you're around these people that you call energy drainers and ask yourself, what are the most common thoughts I'm having when I'm around them? Do I believe I can say no? Or do I believe I can't and then I'm choosing to do things I do want to do? Do I have thoughts about my own worth and value and feel insecure and anxious? Focusing on loving yourself 
involves understanding that they are just neutral circumstances and your brain is what creates your experience of them. So where is your brain failing to create self-love in these situations with these people? When we make others responsible for how we feel and we believe that they are draining us of something, we end up feeling like victims to them. But in reality, you are always the one in charge of how you get to feel because your brain and its thoughts are what create your emotions. Okay, so that's all I have for you today, guys. This is a bit of a longer one than normal. I hope it was useful. And if you don't want to miss out on future Q&As, head to my website and make sure you join my email list. Until next time, have a great rest of the week. If you're loving this podcast, you can also hang out with Rebecca on Instagram and TikTok at Rebecca or Coaching. Don't forget to sign up to her email list for exclusive freebies and for more information on her one-to-one and group coaching programs. 